Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in all the way from Jena, Austria, we have Noise Generation. How is it going today? Hi, guys. What's up? <laughs> Not Seven. much. Hey. Servus so, from um, Austria. Let me just, Austria, yeah. One I, second, I, I, I'm just setting up the Twitch thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I see it. You're logged in. I think you're you're. Okay. We are we are ready to go. Yeah, because um, we're live right now to a bunch of people watching. Oh, yeah. Yay! Um, Let's get those questions yeah. up and running here too. Um, well, thank you for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you here. I was doing some research on you before the show, and you know, definitely you you've worked with some pretty big names out there uh, in the past. How long have you been producing and DJing for? I think I started when I was sixteen years old, so it was like uh, now I'm. I just turned 30, so it's 16 years now. Oh, 14 years, sorry. But before that, I, I used to play um, in a rock band, in an alternative rock band. And I was playing drums. And then at some point, I was like, um, OK, it's getting a little bit boring just to be the drummer. Like, uh, no offense to the drummer guys, but when I was in the band, they were like, um, they didn't care about my opinion, how the music could sound like. So I was like, okay, fuck it. I will, I will do my own thing. And then I got into like uh, Fruity Loops and the music producing. And then all these things start, started to, to progress kind of. Yeah, the good old Fruity Loops. I remember playing with Fruity Loops 3 about 20 years ago, um, had it on uh, my laptop computer and I thought it was the coolest thing ever for music production. I don't produce, but um, just to play around the sequencer and have fun. And then I uh, ended up going to work for Apple later on and then started playing around with Logic. And I, I just loved Logic's interface. Uh, it was smooth, it was clean. Plus I was certified to train people on how to use it <laughs> so it just always seemed like one of my favorite ones but my friend uh sergi one of our resident djs we were in vegas a few months back and and he was uh he was on fruity loops and i go fruity loops that's still around <laughs> they still make it it's like yeah and it's, it's, fruity loops is like i think uh, the biggest producers use it yeah. So, yeah i saw martin garrix use fruity loops uh i think i even saw a video of david Guetta. he was like doing some future future whatever future house no not future house what was the genre called he did with morton like this kind of stuff he was doing like an edit for dj mac or something and he also used um uh fruity loops and also avici used fruity loops but actually i i used it like for a few months then i switched to ableton so <laughs> there's no more fruity loops for me actually but yeah it's a i think it's the basic one that everyone starts with. I don't know. It's like because it's like the interface is kind of looks like a video game. Maybe that's why I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I haven't really seen it up up close and personal for years. But again, I, I I'm not into music production, so I uh, 
I don't do, I, I don't follow along on the circles of, of all the software brands out there. Although Ableton, Logic, Free Loops, um, I think Reason is one, right? Reason, Reason. Um, but enough about software. We could talk about software all day long, all the different types of things. Who has been your biggest influence when it comes to your career as an artist and why are they such an influence? And it started when I, I was like, um, I was totally into rock music and metal music when I, when I, when I was a teenager. So um, I have to say that th there wasn't like um, a big, big influence where I started making music. But when I first came in touch with electronic music, it was like uh, Bloody Beat Roots. Steve Aoki, Boys Noise, that's also where my name was influenced. Uh, so sorry to that, but I was like 16 years old, old and I thought it's cool to to um, yeah use the Z instead of an S. Um, yeah, so I would say this, I mean, some of them aren't around that much anymore. I mean, Steve Aoki is around big time. So also like when I started, I remember he was also big back then. But yeah, like uh, most of the guys I started with, they are, I don't know even if some, like I know Boys Noise still makes music, but it's not actually that he's influencing me music wise at the moment. Yeah, um, some of those names, yeah, go way back for me as well. And, um, you know, uh, one of my close acquaintances, friends, uh, Darius Washington, is actually touring with Steve right now. Uh, he's his uh, on-road tour manager. Um, nice. So small, small world, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, it was funny. I started because of him. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because when we started the DJ sessions, I was telling you a little bit about the history of the show before we started. And Darius's name, I used to have a whiteboard that everyone would write their names on the whiteboard. And I took a picture I posted a few years back on, on Facebook and Darius saw that he goes, do you know that I started DJing thir 30 days or like three months before I signed that board? And now he's, he's opened up and played major festivals for like 35, 40,000 people, tours all around, living the life, really cool guy. Um, but yeah, and I actually, we interviewed Aoki one time. I was backstage hanging with him and right. uh, he actually at the time he invited us to all hang out backstage with them. I'm like, Oh, I felt bad. Cause my girlfriend was at home waiting for me. I'm like, I wish I could, but I have my girlfriend waiting at home. I couldn't get her backstage with us to do the interview or she'd gotten off work or something like that. And, um, so Steve, I, it was rather Steve Aoki or your girlfriend. Yeah. Steve, <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, I'm going to choose the girlfriend on this one. Um, but yeah, he's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Um, do you become a different person when you get on stage or are you, are you a different person when you're off stage? Is there a persona that's related with noise generation or are you just always the same? I think I'm always the same. That's maybe also, that was like kind of sometimes uh, when I started teaching, I was more of a quiet guy. So in the beginning it was, maybe a disadvantage to be like this on stage, but I still recognize that it kind of developed. I started, I played my first show when I was 16. I wasn't even allowed to enter the clubs, <laughs> but then um, it 
slowly started to progress that I was more open and I start um, started to how do you say it escalate on on stage like every time it was more and more and more until the point I think that I was 18 19 I did my first uh, stage dive and um, then I it sounds stupid because I broke my knee <laughs> while doing that but uh, not because it was like um, the people didn't carry me I just realized uh, at the end of the song uh, I have to get back to the to the stage and I was like confused it was my first time doing a stage dive I didn't thought about how how do you end this how do you get back from the like get down from the people and I was like somewhere way back and I heard that the song is stopping and I was like oh my god what do I have to do and then I like uh, pushed me a little bit too far like from the people and fell off and then I cracked my knee then I kind of made it to the to the stage again but uh, I played like one song and after that I had to go to the hospital Oh jeez! Yeah, oh, I was gonna say, has there ever been a time where something has gone wrong during a performance? And I think that answer's hit right there. <laughs> doing yeah. a stage dive and breaking your knee. Ow! 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 I, I do want to take an audience question right now. Uh, just Justin Baptiste, he is asking, what have been the keys to your success? What's been the keys to your success? Actually, I have to admit, my first success was when I really started and I was just making music. I wasn't into like the whole music industry uh, stuff. I was just a guy doing music and not thinking about is it this a trend or is this like uh, is the arrangement perfect how it should be because like back then when i started there wasn't even spotify okay but there was still like a algorithm i think you have to do this kind of music or this is popular but when i started i didn't like uh, my parents blocked my internet connection so i couldn't even um like go into the internet and watch like tutorials or something so it was just um like really like a little nerd progressing every day it was kind of slowly but i really did my own thing and didn't thought about what would the people on radio think is it radio friendly is it youtube friendly i was just making music and that's how kind of the the sound that i did for sure i had influences like by the beetroots and all the guys back then steve aoki but yeah that i think that was the that's always the key to success maybe now it changed maybe now you do some covers and it may be that you blew up but i think the most artists that are that that got big now are really people who just did their own stuff like did their own music style and um yeah i think that's the key to success i can't hear you We'll get some more of those audience questions in here. I was had to mute because I got two wonderful cats in the studio, and one of them started meowing. <laughs> so I was like, mute. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. They'll probably jump on my lap here any moment. But um, do you think that, that people 
at, at clubs and other dance events, should people, I mean, you've started kind of in the later generation where electronic music is a popular genre, a popular form. Now, when I started going to nightclubs, um, when I started going to nightclubs, it was really the DJ wasn't, uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't part of the part of the main show. They were kind of on stage. Um, and then, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a um, thing. I see that we do have an issue going on with the website. It is playing on the front page, by the way. Should be playing on the oh, front okay. page, by the way. Um, that's where we direct everyone to go. No, because to. I just I, I posted it on Instagram, and sorry, I was like distracted because I got like responses <laughs> that it, the link is not working. No, I'm I'm watching us right now. I'm at the website right now. We're on a little it's, bit of a thirty-second uh, delay. Sorry for the nerd talk now, but is it like just uh, djslivesession.com without the live? Yeah, the djsessions.com without the live. Okay, <laughs> Always love tech troubleshooting in the middle of a show. It always yeah. is the best it's time to be doing that. No, I saw that there's a fatal error on the website this morning. I was actually researching it right before the interview. I think there's a plugin that went bad on the site that I need to go, go tweak and figure out. But Back to the interview. Um, do you think it would be better if DJs were not made the focal point of the event? That, that more people would, would maybe stop pulling out their phones and taking pictures and really getting back to the music? Or do you think that DJs should be treated like rock stars or, or, or you know, the center of stage attention? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if we are totally honest, um, a DJ is just someone who's pushing some buttons in the end on stage that's how it that's what's the truth is and i mean um there's another thing it's hard to get on these stages and for getting to the stages you have to make music and that's also kind of it, it needs some talent but that's also not every DJ on stage has done his own music. So it's also kind of tricky, but in the end, it's all, if people feel that they should treat, treat a, a DJ like a rock star, I think they should do it. I mean, in my position, it would, I would be lying if, if I, if I would say that it's not an amazing feeling when you, when you're standing in front of a crowd of three, four, 5,000 people and you feel like a rock star. So yeah, it's, it's like 50, 50. I mean, when you compare it to, when you really compare it to some crazy musicians who, who play the instruments live and where every live show is different because you are always playing a little bit different uh, than mixing one song into the other. But in the end, I think there's the same energy on a, rock or pop concert uh, um, and on an EDM show. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you could host an event without any limitations, what five things would you want to have at that event? I would like to have like a roller coaster that's going to in through the stage, I think. <laughs> then there would be would be um there would be uh like free entry for everyone of course 
um, and also, what five things? Five things. Five things. <laughs> I mean, you. even if it's boring, but I love pyro stuff like fireworks. It, when you when you watch this, when it's made very good, it's it's an amazing look, uh, especially when the stage design is great. Plus, I would like to have like a maybe some little comedy shows in between, like Dave Chappelle playing in between Swedish House Mafia and Noise Generation or something. Full <laughs> so entertainment, like laughing, jumping, stage diving, screaming. I... What was the first grave? or major event dance party that you ever attended. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was actually when I got, it actually all started with this party. It was like, I'm from a small town uh, in Germany where I grew up. And there was like a kind of a private party in a, how do you say it? It was like a old farm. And there was like a building and just in this building, there was like a stage, a little bar and I don't know, 200, 300 people. And it was like a rave and I was 16. I sneaked out of my, out of, out of my house back then. And I went to this party with friends. And before that I was like to some punk concerts. Um, and this was like the first time there was like a house and techno music and I was like, what the hell is going on here? I, I enjoyed it so much that it really, that I think when I think back, I think this really where all this started with the producing music, with DJing, because it was the first time I got in touch with this music and also like on a, on the rave. I mean, of course I, I heard like, I don't know. Um, uh, Fat Boy Slim on, on TV or something, but this was like the first major event where I got in contact with electronic music. <laughs> and you've, you've played in a number of different cities around the around Europe, around the world. Uh, what is your favorite city to play in? In Germany, it was, all, or it is all, always like uh, Cologne. Cologne. There's like a club called Bootshaus. It's like a pretty famous, actually, there's a lot of DJs that, that don't play any festival shows uh, in Europe, like Tiesto or Martin Garrix. They're, they're asking to their tour, tour bookers to like um, play in this club. It's like the only club show they are playing in Europe is like in this club because there's like the most craziest uh, energy I've ever felt in a club. So I would say definitely Cologne. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They only play the big shows here. I remember one time there was a booking poker here in Seattle that tried to get Tiesto. He was going to offer him, I think 15 or $20,000 to play a very small club. I think the capacity of the club was maybe about 350, maybe tops. And it was either that or Tiesto was going to play this other big show for like 40 K and they were like, he didn't, he, he didn't, he goes, I don't play for for less than 5,000 people. Like yeah. you have me come play this small club. I don't, 
I don't do that. So that must be a kind of a treat. How big is that? How big is Cologne? Like the city? I mean, the the, I'm sorry, the, the club you were talking about, the, the nightclub you were talking about in Cologne. <laughs> I mean, I think if it's completely sold out, there's a lot around 1,000 people could get wow. in the whole club. Like there's a few, there's like two stages, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's still a club. It's not like a festival or something. So, but it's like, I think it's in the DJ Mac on in the top 15 or top 10, I think. And it's it's very famous because every every like big artist who doesn't play who doesn't play club shows anymore, he they goes to to Boat's house to play there. I'll have to check it out. We are planning to be in Amsterdam this year for ADE. Yeah. It's not necessarily close to Germany. I mean it's close kind of close. It's actually um, close to Cologne because Cologne it is, is not far. The, from the Dutch border. Okay. Well, um, I'm only there for a week. It's my first time going to Europe, and we're super excited to be going to ADE this year. Will you be there this year? Um, I hope so, yes. Awesome. I, have to, I have to check it out with my work, but I think I will do my best to, to, to go there again. How, how do you define success as a DJ? Is it a is it a beatport top ten hit, sold out tour? What are your thoughts on this? Mm. Like success when it comes like to revenue and making money, or like personal success. It could be whatever whatever you define as success. I mean, success in making music for me is when you can make a living out of it it doesn't matter if it's like a big living or not a big living how do you say it in english like um if you can just make music without thinking how to pay your rent i think that's already a big success and uh, of course the next step is when you can tour around the world and see see the whole world with, with with DJing, like there's no better thing than, in my opinion, than uh, because when I was touring around, for me this was like the best thing. Not even to play the shows, to see the the world, to see cities. I've, I've I wouldn't explore otherwise. I think so. For me, traveling and making a, a living out of it and being happy. That's the success. It doesn't matter if you make millions of music, but uh, millions of of dollars. But it's important that you are happy and that you can make a living out of it. Yeah, one of the the goals, the dreams for me would be exactly doing exactly that. Would be to travel around the world, get paid to travel around the world, and. Um, doing the show, interviewing, being on site, being able to go to those nightclubs or those venues or the festivals and events, um, doing the DJ sessions. I think that would be amazing. Um, and we're starting that. We're starting that. Hopefully big things for us in 2023 are going to start happening. Um, some partnerships that I can't announce yet because they're not officially announced. They're not, I haven't gotten the official go ahead, but uh, working on some really awesome stuff to, 
for the next, we're looking five years down the road and, and where I want to be in the next year or two is kind of doing that and seeing some of these places that I've only heard about or I've seen online or I've seen, I watched a YouTube video on, you know, and I think there's a line of the movie, uh, Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams is talking with Matt Damon's character and Robin Williams says, oh, you're such a smart ass. You can tell me everything you want about the Sistine Chapel, but you can't tell me what it smells like there. Because he'd never left, he'd never gone, and it was like it kind of resonates with me because you want to go there and you want to experience it and see things firsthand. Um, so super excited to be doing that. If we were to come visit your city, what would be the number one thing you would have me do if I came to your to to what is it? It's a Yena, Yena, Vienna, yes, yeah. yeah. First of all, you have to eat. Uh, we say 16 Blech and Eitrige. Uh, it's like, uh, actually, to shorten it down, it's a beer out of a can. And it's like a special special sausage that's like very famous here. It's like, it's actually kind of a hot dog. And the sausage is like with cheese, stuffed with cheese. And that's actually the first thing you will do in Vienna is to get wasted and then before getting home you will eat a, a Käsekreiner and drink an Otterkringer beer out of a can. That sound so drinking beer out of a can is kind of a delicacy or is it a is it a no, it's just, I don't know it's just a thing here in Vienna. So as you can see I'm not uh, I'm not super how do you say cultural I'm not like, yeah, well, let's go to the, there's like uh, Stefan's Dom that's very famous, but I mean, you will see it anyways. I think the, the nice stuff, it's, it's not the touristic ones. <laughs> so um, back to kind of music related questions, not food and beer related questions, but um, what's the most important thing that record labels should be doing for their artists and are they doing a good job with that? It's all, it always depends on the labels. There are labels that look big from the outside, but when you're, when you're on there, nothing is happening. And there are smaller labels that from the outside, it looks like nothing, but they push a lot. So there's, it's hard to say what's like the perfect way, but I think nowadays, it's really the it's all about spotify man it's all about streaming and i think if you have a label that has a good standing on 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 all the social media platforms it's to be honest i mean it's sad but it's to be honest it's the it's half of the game right now so if you find a label that has a good standing there that's like the one side. And if you want, if you're more like into underground music, then you should go for the labels that have like a good reputation in the scene, um, like defected or something and release there. But in the end, it all, always depends what product manager you have or what A&R is working with you. It can be good, it can be worse. I experienced everything. I was signed to major labels. I was sent to small labels. It's like, in the end, it's there's no, no, uh, no right path that 
it's like the it's, it has to be like this it also depends on yourself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely um i think i was we were talking about you know we're gonna start we're gonna launch our own label here next year and we're super excited for it but we still haven't decided the direction we're gonna take like is it gonna be only internal productions or internal tracks or EPs or LPs that we release, or is it going to be open for other people to submit to our label and release on our label? So it's a very interesting question going down that, that road because I've never done it before. Um, you know, and, and what do, what, what's going to be our sound? Is there, are we going to, is it, are we going to be a house? Are we going to be tech house? Are we going to be techno? Are we drum and bass? You know, what are we going to do for our sound? What do we want to be known for? And, and then really, you know, obviously pushing those those songs and putting them out there. And then, you know, I've never done that before, but I'm super excited. I got a really great team that I'm working with that's going to help us uh, put this together. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm always curious to hear what people think what a record label should be doing for their artists, and if 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 they are doing a good job of that industry wide. Um, you're right, like Defected or Injuna, you know, they're dropping some pretty big stuff out there and it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, what's the longest time, what's the longest time you ever spent consecutively working on a track? For me, it's, um, if you work too long on a track, like for me personally, it's not good. I prefer to, I have an idea. I, like in most of the time on the same day, I make like the, how do you say, wait, let me put in Google translate. Um, you do like a framework, like basic arrangement, like how should it sound? And then you sleep one night and on the next day you go into the mixing and like the little details, the transitions. So I'm a fan of like max one week. That's that's my work workflow with this. I re- I had somebody uh, who was it uh, that were just they were just on the show. Let me pull up their name really quick here. Uh, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. it was last week. It was. Um, I think it was Robert, 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 no, Robert Knox, Knox, <laughs> robot, robot Knox. It's his first name's Robert, but it's robot Knox. I think I'm pronouncing that name wrong again, but he was saying, yeah, if you work too long on something, it probably means that it's not doable and just he'll, he'll just thrash, throw it away. He goes, if I can't do something in a couple days, it's gone. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll just start the, the whole the drawing board all over again, you know. Um, but I've heard artists say, I got songs that I've been working on for two years, <laughs> you know, and they'll put it you know, they'll, they'll put it aside and the other projects come up and they'll come back and revisit it. But it's always interesting to, to, to find out that, you know, what people's workflow is like. Um, yeah, now, what happened? totally different from, from producer to producer. But in my opinion, and also I think in Robert Koch's opinion, it was like when you go too deep into all this stuff and when because at some point i don't know if it's only me but i think there's a lot of producer out there that have the same problem if it, if you work too long on a song there's like 
you need a little bit of a of a break maybe then and just leave it for a few few days or weeks and then you can start again but if you work on a track like two weeks nobody can tell me that it doesn't drive you crazy and normally if you work on a on a track two weeks like really work on it every day without i don't mean like doing a little bit of mixing and you get feedback and then you add this and that but if you really sit on a track two weeks it can't be that good hmm. because i don't know it should be done quicker then but that's and what do you do when you become frustrated during your crea creative process what what does noise generation do to take a break what are some of the things you do outside of, of being in the studio i go to the gym that's my uh, how do uh, how to like get away from all this mind mind fucks that I have and um, yeah just take really taking a break from it not to force it because I also had the problem that I was forcing stuff because I was like now I have to make a track and it has to be released next month because otherwise everything will be fucked up. Um, this is totally the wrong, the wrong, um, how do you say, the wrong path you can take. Mm -hmm. I was, like the most, uh, the most creative I was when I was really like, I had an idea already in my mind and I couldn't wait to get to my PC and start making music. And if when you're not listening to electronic music, who is your favorite artist to listen to outside of electronic music that you you would turn on and to tune out or to listen to? I actually listen to a lot of like Deftones, Slipknot, System of a Down, this kind of stuff. Like especially when I'm when I'm uh, in the gym or something. I love to listen to this. I'm also listening to a lot of hip hop. Like actually the new Drake album was like kind of house music. So I enjoyed this a lot. Um, yeah, but I'm totally open for every kind of music from side trends to Ed Sheeran. <laughs> awesome. And did you, um, over the last few years, we saw the rise of people getting online and doing live streaming. Uh, you have a Twitch channel set up, correct? I have a Twitch channel, but um, I actually didn't use it that much, to be honest. <laughs> have you ever been asked to do anything in virtual reality yet? No. No? Not yeah, yet. We, we, just, uh, we just launched two nightclubs in VR in Altspace. Uh, we're super excited about it. They're soft launched. We're getting ready to go in and, and put some final touches on them. But we're seeing that. I've always liked to be on the new edge or forefront of cutting technology, you know, or being the first one to kind of dive into the pool and, and get my get my feet wet, you know. And so uh, we, we built these VR nightclubs. We're super excited about them. And we really think that that's going to be a, an avenue that people are going to start looking at. It won't replace real world experiences, um, obviously. But uh, a new kind of social form or social place to go other than just a two-dimensional screen like what we're so used to 
via Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. Um, you know, we're seeing that these VR nightclubs are going to be pretty cool. Now, that being said, though, is I'm excited about augmented reality. Are you familiar with that? I mean, I, I know what it is, but I have to be honest, I was I'm completely like not not informed about what's happening there. I know that Snoop Dogg has a villa next to Steve Aoki in Metaverse or something, <laughs> but actually this um and there was like also this marshmallow thing on um fortnite mm-hmm. I, if you're honest it was like marketing wise this was next level shit. um and yet but actually i have to admit it sounds interesting that so you kind of you are wearing like the vr glasses and you're you're sitting at home on your sofa and you're going to the club is it how it works pretty much yeah yeah so if you're if you're like too lazy to go out but you still have a fomo you can kind of go into virtual reality yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's pretty much how it could work um right now the technologies aren't out on the market yet um to, to fully like you can have your avatar you know it's like kind of depend on what what I'd say what flavor or what version you're in, because there's like Alt Space, VR Chat, um, there's Decentraland, there's all these different virtual worlds or virtual environments that you can go to. There's a Horizon, um, you know, by, by Meta, you know, and so what I'm waiting to see is when it gets to be where it's actual our body, like us. We're not an avatar, we're not like a cartoon character. It's us, and we're in the world, uh, and we're walking around or interacting like you and I could be sitting at a virtual desk right now, you know, like on a couch, like a, like a talk show kind of style format rather than being on a 2d screen. I think that's going to be something that's going to be pretty awesome, but augmented reality, AR, you know, Facebook's still working on their version of their meta still working on their glasses. Apple's do that release something here, maybe Q4, Q1 next year. Um, we know probably Sony and Microsoft and Google are all working on something, you know, so yeah, that's going to be an interesting experience when you get, when you take and it's a lighter pair of glasses or even contact lenses, which are probably way far out. But, um, you know, you got these pair of glasses, you're just going to put on a nice lightweight pair, but then the, the whole area is going to be transformed and, and you're going to have this, like, I don't, you could have like animals floating through the crowd or, you know, change the ceiling or change the what the stage display looks like. I think that's going to be really awesome. Uh, super excited for that. Um, well, I'm kind of getting short on questions here. Is there anything you want to let our DJ sessions fans know before we let you go? When you start making music, don't go too much into Spotify algorithms. Just do whatever you like. Do whatever you want. Uh, don't listen to what the ANR is saying. Just make your own stuff, and maybe you will be the next Spotify or TikTok trend. Who knows? Yeah. Do you feel that Beatport has too much influence on the scene, or do you think they'll ever have a another competitor? I mean, Spotify is kind of there, but uh, as far as Beatport goes, what are your thoughts on Beatport? Do you think that? They have too much of a monopoly on the game. Do you think Beatport has more like influence than Spotify? 
Oh, no. Do, do you think Beatport has too much control of the music scene? Do they have too much of a monopoly or? I don't think so. I mean, Beatport is actually a nice tool to really for DJs, but I mean, for the big audience, it's totally Spotify or <laughs> TikTok. I think TikTok is even more <laughs> relevant right now than anything else. They are they are like predicting the music market. Hmm. So now you just have to actually you just have to make like a 15, 20 video, uh, 20 second video of you doing some funny stuff and making your own song under it. And if you're lucky, it, it will get viral. And <laughs> after that, it gets viral on Spotify. And after that, it will get into the charts. I just had a friend of mine's daughter. She did this. Um, it wasn't a challenge. She actually created the, the actual challenge on um, TikTok. And her account got flagged for her being underage. She's over 21. But she had, when it got taken down, she had over 45 million views or something like that. And she was like, I'm the one that created this. I would, no one else had ever done anything like this at all until I did it. And yeah, the, the the virality of the, the TikTok and how big that's become. I think they say that more people are using TikTok than they are Google now. Yeah. Um, it's like outranked everything. Um, speaking of, there was a video that I saw kind of done in a TikTok kind of fashion on your YouTube channel. The one with uh, Nina Chuba. Yeah. So, yeah. so was that Sometimes. a combined effort? Is that, was that her in the video? Yeah, but it's just like uh, she's actually kind of going viral now in like the uh, GIS states like Germany, Austria, mm -hmm. and Switzerland. And I just I just wanted to do a remix of her song, and I was like cutting some of her TikToks. I did my own TikToks and okay. made like a remix. I, so, I, I said I was gonna yeah. say it looks like it was in TikTok fashion. So yeah. I also, it started, I uploaded it on TikTok and I uploaded it on Instagram. I uploaded it on YouTube. I sometimes have these faces, like this face where I want to do a TikTok or, or I want to try something. And then I'm like super creative and doing this kind of stuff. And then I'm getting bored of it again. Then I start to do it again. So it's, it's, a, it's a hate love relationship. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole TikTok thing. I get it. I love it. I found myself about a few months ago finally diving in, and it was I think it was eleven o'clock at night. I was laying in bed. And I started doing the, going through the TikToks. The next thing I knew, it was like three thirty in the morning, and I was still just doing the TikToks. You know, I can. I've made some funny cooking videos, or at least I get a kick out of it. I'm a foodie, so I like to cook. So I like taking all the different pictures of your as you're prepping the food and then putting it together at a song at the end and then like showing the dish i think it's kind of funny but i haven't i haven't just dived into the TikToking yet it kind of seems like a, a big big hole that you're just gonna get lost there's in a really big thing and there's a lot of potential mm -hmm. and but the thing is you have to be consistent i think that's the key if you're kind of good in it you can become I think there's a good chance that when you're really consistent that you can like get something on TikTok because there's like still this algorithm 
um, compared to like to Instagram, Facebook, you can like there's nothing left anymore. It's just advertisement. But TikTok is like really when you're creative and when you're like consistent, you can get an audience there. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's it's a it's, it's a very tricky platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got people that are spending. I mean, it, if I'm cooking a meal, it takes me an hour to prep that meal. It's taking me an hour to make that TikTok, you know? So it's funny how these short little videos and you, you watch the people producing these videos and it's like they'll do 20, 30 takes just to get that one three second piece. Perfect. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting world being in film and television almost my whole life or, or at least 46 years of it, basically to now see how the end user, we used to make shows for everyone to watch how everyone can make their own show, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, time, time changes. I know what's I, next. Who I knows think it's what? awesome though. So, yeah, it's awesome. Well, is there, okay, I think I did ask, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you go, though? Yeah. Check out my TikTok. Check out my TikTok. Awesome. Uh, do you know, what, what is your TikTok? Yeah, it's also at Noise Generation. Oh, at Noise Generation. Yes. Just like your Instagram. Instagram. Yes. <laughs> At Noise Generation, TikTok, at Noise Generation, Insta. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to, uh, we'll be staying in touch with you, following you, what's going on. We'll um, hopefully get to see you out at ADE this year. Um, if not, we'll catch up in a few months and see how things have been going for you. Yeah, let's, let's hope we can uh, meet at, in Amsterdam soon. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for that note, On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Meta. Just on our website, though, thedjsessions.com. News stories, live interviews, exclusive mixes. You can also find us on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play, and soon to be Apple TV. Check out our VR nightclubs up in alt space. This is Darren coming to you from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington with Noise Generation all the way in from Austria, Vienna, Austria, for the DJ sessions. And remember, on the DJ sessions, the music never stops. Yes.